Hello and welcome to the ESG Fitness Podcast. The aim of this podcast is to help you think, learn and grow and hopefully smile and laugh on the way too. My aim here is to break down your barriers to taking action and provide you with evidence-based diet and exercise information in a fun and interesting way. I hope I nail that and I hope you enjoy. If at any point you are enjoying this and you think, wouldn't it be great to work with Emma? You can head to esgfitness.co.uk to find out more information. Without further ado, because I hate long introductions, here is this episode. Hello and welcome. Shona, I've not heard you on in ages. Well, like maybe a week. <laughs> Feels like ages. It does feel like ages, um, but I'm so excited to be here. I love, love, love doing the podcast. It's the highlight of my week. Oh, you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> okay. Um, tell us about your weekend. Were you at a CrossFit competition? I was at CrossFit Strength and Depth, which is a semi-final event uh catching david's daughter was there sam briggs was there it was like kind of a big deal event it wow was and were you like emceeing all of it yeah yeah it was yeah it was really fun um, yeah yeah it was yeah yeah, uh, yeah. me who me yeah yeah it was uh, you're quite a big yeah. deal emceeing up by the way i'm listening i'm just getting the questions up um okay. you've done the edinburgh marathon this big deal crossfit event yeah um you know it's just it's just you know what I do um it's really fun I don't necessarily know where I'm going with it but I would love to do more of it so if you're listening and you need me for your event get in touch <laughs> yes there's so many areas outside of the fitness industry that that could be like you always need some someone to kind of like I don't know I don't know what the word is like like just like yeah like a compare or like master of ceremonies type things yeah you, you always do you always do so master of ceremony have you married that, anyone yet that's what mc stands for oh is it i thought it was more like i don't know like cool but but so okay right yeah that does make sense yeah <laughs> well you've all i was today years old when i knew that yep okay right i'm just figuring out where we are because stupidly I just dumped a whole bunch of questions on there. You just dumped? I just question dumped. Yep, sorry. Okay, right, we've passed this. I'm very sorry, everyone. Okay, fasting. Just listened to your podcast on fasting and you spoke about a feeding window. I've been looking into alternate day slash modified alternate day fasting, i.e. not a total fast, but 500 calories on fasting days. I love the premise of this, but as you simply don't have, sorry, I love this premise of this as you simply don't have to worry on non-fasting days, just maintain good healthy habits, fruit and veg, good portion sizes. What are your thoughts on this and how do I go about working my calories for non-fasting days? And lastly, benefits of alternate day fasting or modified. What are your thoughts on fasting? Have you ever done it? Um, well, I, I probably would normally do some sort of intermittent fasting like um uh, if I'm really busy I don't have breakfast because I like to have a bigger lunch and a bigger dinner and then one of the the rules I try and implement is like as soon as I've finished my dinner I don't eat after that so probably I would have like a 
and a feeding window as such. I personally don't think that this approach that you're suggesting in the question would work for a lot of people because what you've said is, um, I love the premise of this as you simply don't have to worry on non-fast days. And you've said just maintain good healthy habits, fruit, veg, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. Um, but you are then, you are then like there is an element of being in control and there's an element of like following those habits rather than just being like, I'm going to have 500 calories and then do whatever the hell I want. And I think that a lot of people would really struggle on 500 calories. Some people wouldn't, some people wouldn't, that would be absolutely fine. You'd be like laser focused on whatever you were doing. But if you were someone that was quite active, like even just like running after children or having to be on your feet all day for your job, or even you had, you had a, a training session that day, 500 calories would be a struggle. So I would just think about, think about that if it was something that you could really, really maintain. What do you think? Yeah, yeah I've had this work really well with clients who don't like to exercise and who don't really do a lot of exercise and who, who literally do the bare minimum. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying it only works for these people, but I am saying the best success I've had with something like this or similar to this is people kind of like 50 plus aren't that active, want to lose some body fat, but don't want to track calories, don't want to have their phone on, aren't into technology. Like you've said here, how would I track my non-fasting days? Kind of one of the benefits of fasting like that as in having two days where you're only eating about 500 calories is you don't really need to track calories because you've created this huge deficit and then if you're sensible on the other days then you you will create a deficit without having to track the calories to know exactly how much of a deficit you're in that's kind of part of the point of of that like kind of quite a restrictive or quite an extreme way of doing things and it does work well for some people and some people again like remember restriction is completely perceived. So some people will find that really freeing and they're like, yeah, two days a week. So this is what tended to work with my clients is your two busiest days. And I know that may seem quite strange, but when you're busy, you don't really have time to eat anyway. So they'd pick their two really busy days at work and they just crack on with it. And then the other days, like, I think some people are like, oh, do it on the weekend. Worst idea you could possibly have. Like that's when you have the most time to eat or think about food. So do it on your two busiest days and then the rest of the week, they just ate sensibly and like that was fine. That, that really worked for them. Some people would be like only 500 calories and feel so restricted by that. Whereas they see it from the opposite side of, yeah, for two days, like I stick to this quite structured thing and like we, we had the meals that they were going to have. And then the rest of the week, I didn't really think about my diet. I just make sensible choices. And that to them felt less restrictive. So I think we can have like our own perceptions of things. Like for me, that would be massively restrictive. And like, I like to train most days a week. I like to get like over 15,000 steps a day. Like, would it be sustainable for me? No. And do I have body fat, like a lot of body fat to lose? No. But for some people that does work quite well. And I think just being like quite open-minded about it is a good idea. But exactly as Shona said, there, there are like certain red flags here. If you're someone who's ever even vaguely struggled with like binge eating type tendencies or overeating, absolute no probably one of the worst things you could do but I think with all of these things like there, there's an element of like if it works for you and if it's not detrimental to other areas of your life or your health mm. fine not everyone has to agree agree with that and everyone can do things like in their own way um would I suggest it for you as an individual on commit to six like no probably not I do think that even if you can kind of convince yourself that 
it's not that restrictive like it kind of still is and if you're exercising at least sort of three or four times a week and really pushing yourself and trying to build muscle probably not like the best way to go about things and as much as like I'd eat in a very similar way to what Shona just described that she did like sometimes I mean I actually have breakfast more often now but sometimes like I'd used to miss breakfast I don't like to eat after dinner you could call that fasting but like really it's just like moving your meal like slightly out of the way and I think some people hear fasting and think of it as a real extreme when actually most of us probably do not far off like the 8 12 is that the right one 12 8 yeah where you've got like an eight hour eating window if you look at when you just habitually eat it's probably not far off that anyway and the reason that that like cap of the eight hours works isn't because eight hours is like a, a secret time when your body can metabolize food and after that it's stored as fat or anything it's just that we tend to overeat in the evening so actually setting a time limit of after this time I don't eat again until the next day is so helpful psychologically because you then don't sit on the couch and overeat in the evening but you've not said I can't eat anymore you've just said I'm going to wait until tomorrow when my you know quote unquote feeding window opens so there's not this huge restriction but there's like a, a small amount of restriction, a healthy amount of restriction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Lauren, what are your recommendations for cardio endurance workouts? I've noticed the fitness industry likes to promote resistance training more, but wondered if for our health, we should be doing more cardio endurance, steady state exercises too. I think just like a walk outside in the fresh air is is for me and for all of my clients that is a non-negotiable like you have to get outside for a walk at least one point at during the day um I think that's absolutely fine like there's no when you're when you're strength training you are you're working that side of like the cardio side of things as well and so that's why we don't like program additional cardio on top of that but we do give you a step target um I personally, every so often, like to try a 5K, and that's just for me. To, because if I if I really struggle with a 5K, I'm like, I'm not really feeling that fit. But if I can do a 5K and go without stopping, then I'm like, okay, that's fine. You've got that ticking over. Um, but apart from that, I think your steps would would cover that. On that point, I think performance markers are so underappreciated, especially when you're probably somewhere where like you are where you're at about maintenance, right? Like you've got performance goals and like sometimes you'll tweak your diet a little bit, but you're not like, I'm about to jump into a huge fat loss phase or a huge bulking phase or anything yeah. like that. Essentially like exercise adds to your life, but it's not your whole life. Yeah. And I think having performance markers like that, as opposed to always reverting back to the scales, oh my God, I used to weigh a little bit less. Like who freaking cares? Whereas yeah. that's so applicable to not only your body composition, because you can't run a 5K fast if you're carrying a ton of body fat yeah your fitness which is so important like your health it's a great marker of health like having performance markers it doesn't have to be a 5k it could be how many push-ups you can do yeah. be like you do pull-ups don't you like pull-ups yeah, I, I do pull-ups instead of weighing myself like, I have no idea what I weigh but I know that my body composition is good because I can do x amount of pull-ups and yeah. I think when it's related to body weight whether that's a run whether that's push-ups pull-ups like squats compared to body weight or anything like that is a really good marker for body composition as well because there's absolutely no way that you could be like losing muscle and putting on fat if your performance in those exercises is increasing 
and it's so much more empowering rather than being like fixated on the scales you're like oh wow look at this amazing thing that my body can now do that's progress so I think if you can implement performance markers absolutely do and the reason that we don't kind of dictate them is they have to be important to you like if Shona was like we're going to do 5k with you every every six weeks to see how your progress is going I'm like I'm not interested in my 5k progress Mm. um so it has to be applicable to something and it has to excite you at least a little bit um but in regards to cardio and endurance workouts exactly as Shona's saying like when you resistance train you are still working your heart and your cardiovascular system if you want to do extra that's absolutely fine um but I think people are there there is still that notion that like if I don't know that the endurance exercise is a better marker of fitness than like resistance training and that's not necessarily true and all exercise will work your heart and lungs as well um but I do think that we probably I wouldn't say we limit ourselves like I think resistance training you know if you're limited on time like that's the best way that you can spend your time it should definitely be in there but we don't have to only do one form of exercise like you can also go for a run if you want you can also go for a cycle if you want you can also go out for a walk if you prefer doing that like you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into what's the best form of exercise like you can get the benefits of all forms of exercise and there are slightly different adaptations that happen depending on the form of exercise that you're doing okay question on the live oh go for it um so I joined the pull-up club. Well done, Woo-hoo! Sharon. I got overexcited and tried again the next day after a pool session at the gym where I'd really pushed my weights. Needless to say, very silly. And although I managed some, I was largely flailing around like a fish out of water. How frequent would you suggest to incorporate pull-ups, please, to try and up numbers? Um, you do them every day, don't you? I do them every single day, but I don't do them anywhere near my workout. So I get up in the morning and I do them like, it's like my morning routine, like what you do for commit six. And most people are doing their push-ups, press-ups, sit-ups, sorry. Yeah. Um, push-ups, squats, sit-ups, but you could get a pull-up bar at home. Like if it's something you really want to get good at, this goes for almost anything that you want to get good at. Mm. Start practicing it daily, every single day. And not for like, I mean, don't go absolutely wild every single day, but maybe do like two sets every day and then don't do them after a pull session because I'm not surprised that you can't do them after a pull session in fact sometimes I like to do this I've gone back to training quite like a bodybuilder style split just because it's quite fun and after chest uh, after a chest session I always like to be able to like not do 10 (laughs) push-ups and then after a pull session I always like to be able to not pull myself up I'm like oh that's (laughs) that's when you know that you're done I absolutely love that style as well. Like it just see when you actually train to failure, train a body part to failure, you're like, it's not, I, I wouldn't be for me all the time, but yeah, I do like it every so often and particularly chest. Yeah. I think cause it is relatively small. So it fatigues relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what I wouldn't, what I will say as well is that that's probably not the quote unquote optimal way to train. But is like if you're very into that kind of thing, then it's enjoyable. Yeah, and enjoyment is important as well. Exactly. But also, Sharon, bloody well done joining the pull-up club. That is hard. Woo! It is. Okay, Natalia, how to keep motivated when progress is slow? The the question. Question. I had a really good quote. Ooh. It is. And I'm going to change it because it was the man, but I'm going to change it to the woman. Wait, 
Is it the one in the Tia Timmy video? Wait, because someone sent me a quote that I put up today and it, and it was from, I don't know where they found it, but is it? The, the woman world? who enjoys walking will walk yeah. further than the woman who loves the destination. It was on Tia Tumi, um, you know, the like the CrossFit athlete. Oh, right. So weird. Yeah, she literally just, she sent me my own thing and was like, who, who wrote that like originally before you quoted it? And I was like, I actually have no idea, but just Google it. But it Did must have come up. I didn't post it today, but someone sent me it like two minutes before this. So weird. Yeah, okay. But yeah, um, so it's the woman who loves walking will work, walk further than the woman who loves the destination. And then I put like, yeah. enjoy the journey. Did you change it to women as well? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so really if you go on to Tia Claire's... Um, Who's this, a CrossFit girl? Tia, Tia Claire Toomey. She's like the fittest woman. She's like the fittest and, and like she's best at CrossFit. And like, it's a man talking and I don't know who it is, but it must be from a podcast or something, but it's like super motivational. But yeah, basically the gist of it is that you have to enjoy this process and try and find some sort of enjoyment rather than just being like, oh, I just want to be there already because that will be miserable. Um, and for me, like it's to, it, obviously I'm, I'm the same as everyone else. It took me a long time to find that as well. But it's for me, I would I would say it's the feeling of being disciplined and the feeling of doing all these things because it's going to make you live your best life and live daily your best self rather than just thinking, oh, I'm going to be happy once I get there. It's trying to find that happiness right now. This is really difficult. It's really difficult. It is, but I think part of the problem is how you're measuring progress. Mm -hmm. Because if you're like, oh, I'm not like, progress is slow. It actually isn't. Progress on the scales might be slow, but you can feel better immediately. Mm -hmm. Like you can feel better exactly from what Shona's saying, like from discipline, but even just from the way that actually filling your body with healthy, nutritious food and exercising daily, like that can make you feel better almost immediately how satisfied do you feel at the end of the day when you're like I've ticked all the boxes I know that I've like showed up exactly the way I wanted to show up today I've treated my body in a way that in the future I'll be really grateful like my future self will be proud of myself and happy of the way that I've behaved today and I've set myself these goals and I've ticked them off like I can feel good about myself for that that's your immediate result like that's your like immediate gratification and then for the delayed yeah okay like you'll lose some weight over time sure but as Jonah's saying that you can't wait for that and realizing that it's not going to change your life. Like when you're five pounds lighter, nothing is going to change. You need to start living your life now and enjoying your life while you're also creating a bit of a calorie deficit, which means that you're going to lose some body fat. Like that's the way you need to frame it instead of putting all this focus on fat loss or what the scales say and getting frustrated by how long the, the quote unquote journey is going to take. And the whole, like, I've spoken a lot about impatience and I've kind of tried to change my narrative on it a little bit in that I don't think we need more patience. I think we just need to stop waiting. And there's a quote that's like, patience isn't, patience isn't waiting for the destination. It's how you act while you wait or something like that. Right. And it's true. Like, and I get frustrated by this. And I try to reframe it in every area of my life. Like if I'm waiting for something, find something else to do. You're not just going to sit there aimlessly. Like, okay, 
so-and-so is going to be late for a call cool what can I do in the meantime I'll get my emails done or I'll go for a walk or I'll do something else like then you're not waiting and do that in every area of your life like stop waiting for anything and whether it, it can just be like oh the train's going to be late instead of sitting here being angry I might go for a little walk around the train station I might put a podcast on I might sit to myself and meditate I might write a list of things I need to do I might do my shopping list that I know I've got to do later like there are little things that you can always do don't know if it's always a good thing but with your phone like there's literally no need to ever really be waiting for anything because you can do all of these things and same with like waiting for fat loss like stop waiting for that what do you think is going to happen nothing is going to change so start doing all the things that you want to do now and then have it ticking away in the background that yeah you know what I'm also losing some body fat because I'm eating a little bit less energy than I'm expending Mm. simple I love your cup by the way it's got a coaster on the bottom of it. That's very clever. It's very clever. That's so good. So what, what was your narrative previously with the impatience? I think I just, I, I know it's something that so many people struggle with. Mm. Well, there, most- there was one podcast in particular that I had so many people that were like, I listen to this every morning. <laughs> yeah, so, and that did so, so well. And it was all about like, I guess, how to be patient. Oh and how to like frame things and stuff but now I'm kind of like fuck being patient like stop waiting for anything and Mm. just start living like Mm. if you tell yourself that you're waiting then you will be impatient if you tell yourself that you're living your life while time passes anyway because that's what it does and you're also losing some body fat that's a completely different mindset and then you're not like rushing to the end goal Mm. and I think realizing as well that impatience is often why we make such awful decisions like going on a juice cleanse or like cutting calories to 500 or some like awful like cutting out all fruit and blah 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 blah. like we do that because we want results now and we're impatient and actually when you zoom out and have a look at it you're like your impatience is costing you so much time so much happiness and so much enjoyment because every time you you're impatient and you jump on this quick fix and you're like yeah I don't care I just want to lose 10 pounds as quickly as possible you end up putting 15 pounds back on and you're worse in a worse position than when you started three months down the line. Whereas if you'd been like, okay, I'm going to take it slow in three months time, maybe you've lost half of that weight and you're able to maintain it. And guess what? During that time, you also had a life, enjoyed time with your friends, went on holiday, went out for meals, like didn't put your life on hold. That's the, and it's, it's hard to see that. I'm certainly not saying like, this is an easy thing to see. Like you need to keep reminding yourself of this. And that's why things like journaling is really useful when you are like, okay, I noticed that I'm feeling impatient. I noticed that I want to drop my calories. Right. What happened last time I did that? Do I need to reach out to a coach so that we can like talk you through this? Do I need to go back and listen to this podcast? Do I need to, you know, get my head in the right frame? Cause I know that that's not the right decision. And I think most people, probably most people that listen to this podcast, at least I would say, know that jumping on another fad diet isn't the answer like they know when they sign up to the two-week shred or whatever that that isn't going to get them long-term results and that isn't what they're looking for but they're still tempted by it and I get the temptation I I had an analogy about this the other day and I think sometimes this kind of like helps it click for people but jumping on another fad diet is kind of like me saying Shona I'll give you hundred pounds now but at the end of the week you need to give me back 120 pounds and like what's the point in that like you've got it for a period of time but then you're gonna have to give it back and then you're gonna have to give me more back as in that's like 
putting on the weight and then a little bit more versus, okay, Shane, you have to wait till the end of the week. I'm just going to give you a hundred pounds and you could keep it forever. Like that's your fat loss results that you've done properly, that you've worked on, that you've actually taken the time to learn about yourself and your nutrition and how you deal with diet and exercise and how you can incorporate that into your life. And you can maintain those results for the rest of your life. Like it's just that delay. And when you put it in the sense of like money, sometimes people just like resonate with that a little bit more because it's a thing as opposed to fat loss in yourself, which gets like so emotional and there's so much more emotional attachment involved in that. Wow. That's brilliant. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. Next question. Natalia, I'm having an abdominal hernia operation on the 4th of July and will be out of action for six weeks. Can you give me some advice on how to maintain the gains I've achieved so far over these six over those six weeks so that I don't go back to square one? Thank you. Um, I would say with hernia operation, I have a family member who did too much too soon after a hernia operation and then had to have that operation again and uh, also had another hernia on top of that so please 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 wait until definitely six weeks is over and then maybe the, and then some because six weeks is a kind of standard oh yeah you'll be fine after six weeks um I would I would recommend as well after the six weeks um try or speak to one of us and we can help you get back into exercise rather than just being like okay let's pick up where I left off um, so yeah, your your focus should be on recovery. Um, it's quite a big deal operation that you've got ahead of you. Um, so you you need to look after yourself rather than being like, oh, I need, I need to get back to this straight away. You will not totally go back to square one if you look after yourself, if you eat for recovery, if you make sure that you're getting your protein in every single day. Um, with your hernia operation you can start like breathing exercises that will be really helpful for like recovery with that what to do natalia is message me and i can help you with that but no doubt you'll also have like a physio or a doctor who'll be will help you with your recovery as well but please do not worry it's only six weeks out of your whole life eat well for recovery you don't necessarily need to be in a deficit i would i would be in maintenance um and yeah anything else what do you think I think that's great advice and then just parent yourself as in what would you if it was your child that was getting this operation you wouldn't be like right let's see if we can get back to the gym as soon as possible and let's still push you into a deficit and let's still like you'd be like no let's do what's best for you and your long-term health and that's how you have to think about yourself as well and I've had a friend who has like re what would you call that re-herniated I don't know but anyway basically had to have the operation again as well and I think that that's quite a common thing when people try and get back to exercise post hernia so just be really really careful and do it as slowly as possible you won't go back to square one think of everything that you've achieved that's not just how much muscle mass you have or how much body fat you've lost like you have proven to yourself that you can do it now and you know how to do it on top of that you have what's called muscle memory so even if you do lose a little bit of muscle during this time because you're not exercising for six weeks it comes back so much quicker you're not starting from from square one nowhere near that so remember that as well and try not to be like demotivated if you are like a little bit weaker at the start I guarantee 
once you get back into training, it will come back so, so quickly. And what's going to be, again, like long term when you zoom out, way more beneficial is you taking the time to recover so that this never happens again. and You don't have to have another six weeks out if you had to redo that operation. Right. So you just like it's hard. And I get it because I was in the same position after my back surgery. I was like, oh, great. Now I'm going to get back to the gym. And it's like, actually, I mean, it was even better for me because I had to pay for it myself. <laughs> which means I was like I would you know yeah. that was a lot of money that I spent on my back and that was I guess like an additional thing as if like actually looking after your own health wasn't enough sometimes it genuinely isn't like sometimes there also has to be this financial incentive as well um but make sure you you recover well and you'll look back like I look back now and I, I'm like that period of time when I was recovering is like a blip I can't even remember being frustrated in that time so like in a year's time you won't even remember it so just make sure that your future self is grateful for the way that you behave during that time other things and as you were saying about the breathing exercises and things this is also a time where you now might have that that period of time where you used to exercise fill it with something productive and it could be like learning to box breathe it could be um journaling it could be reading a book that you enjoy it could be taking up the piano it could be like Shona's amazing at knitting now like it could be like any of these things but fill it with something and be intentional with that because I think that's often where people trip up is their their well not their whole day but like part of their life is I spend x hours three times a week exercising or x time you know and with going to the gym and coming back like maybe that's two hours of your night that you spend for some evenings a week you need to find something else to fill that with and it may as well be productive and beneficial so you know whatever it is that that is in your life at the moment or that you think oh yeah I've always wanted to do that or I've always been putting that off maybe you're going to learn a language or maybe you're like oh, I'd quite like to redo the kitchen okay maybe you can plan that out like it could be anything but use that time so that you don't get kind of frustrated and just and that's often when people sit around feeling sorry for themselves overeating do something productive with it that's really good advice. I love it. I just think that see things like that are so good for your soul. Like do it, like making something, being crafty, paint something, um, like take up a, like a, I love sewing. I do not knit. You said oh, I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> but I like making clothes. Like that's really fun. Anyway, so um, next question. Yes. Okay. I know Emma says motivation should come with action and I agree with that you don't want your action to be a consequence of motivation but rather discipline as motivation is a fleeting concept Does that makes sense wait um you don't want your action to be a consequence of motivation but rather discipline as motivation is a fleeting concept so yeah it does make sense yeah, yeah. I will say though it, when you're motivated and, you, and it motivates you to take action, roll with that. I just think don't rely on it forever for it to be your only like reason that you ever do anything because it will come and go. But when you are motivated, yeah, capitalize on it. When you're like, oh, I want to do this extra walk that normally I don't want to do. Normally I really struggle to get my steps in. Like, yeah, don't be like, hmm, that's just like fleeting motivation. Like jump on that. Um, anyway, she says, however, don't you experience that most times the motivation to change comes from the opposite i.e when you have hit rock bottom i'm very disciplined and don't need motivation on a daily basis but the initial push is different do you experience that yourself or in your clients what do you see makes people sign up for commit six well, that's really interesting isn't it yeah. 
because I wouldn't I, I I wouldn't agree that that's the case for everyone like no, it, definitely what, not. can you imagine how miserable it would be for be me hard work for us answering those check-ins when everyone's at rock bottom like some people are are just are just like okay um I I I just need this extra accountability and I'm excited about challenging myself and I, I want to be part of this commit to six like I have someone who's done commit to six message me on Instagram because she finished commit to six um last round she's had a few weeks without it and she's like okay I just need that extra discipline again and Emma's posts were like blowing her back in so she needs to she needs to get back involved so no I don't think that people are always hitting rock bottom and I think like if you're hitting rock bottom then you need more than commit to sex (laughs) yeah you maybe need therapy as well yeah although saying that and I was speaking to someone yesterday because I mentioned something about therapy and they were like what you like you go to therapy and I was like yeah and like why and I was like you don't need to be like at rock bottom and I think the whole point is you will get so much more from it if you're not like Mm. I think it would be really you know and some people do this and they're like I have huge admiration for them but it's actually really hard to ask for help when you're right at the bottom when you have or like it's really hard to action things that you learn in therapy or that you learn you know in, in any areas like it's really hard to start a new healthy diet or healthy exercise regime when you're at rock bottom so ideally like you don't get to that point before you start but it is so varied like we do have people that are like this big change and often Mm. it is after a big change like sometimes it's like I've just got divorced I want to do something different and positive for myself sometimes sometimes we get like I guess this is the other end of the spectrum people who are like I've got this far on my own I've lost 10 Mm. pounds say Mm. but I know I need a little bit of help to lose the next 10 pounds yeah um it's so so varied but where I do see this quite a lot and when I used to work in cancer and exercise was post-diagnosis and I mean you, you get it sometimes with well obviously I was working with breast cancer but I think it's it's more common in things like type 2 diabetes where they've probably been told by their doctors for years that you know eating a bit better and exercising would be a really good thing for you to do and they're like yeah okay you always tell me that's fine it's fine it's fine And then at some point they get the diagnosis and that can be a big enough shock to be like, right, I need to make a change here. So it does happen sometimes that there's like a a moment of change that kind of like pushes you into the action phase, but not always. And it certainly doesn't have to be that way. So I think it is quite varied in individual. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Someone's commented just on the last point. Um, just an economist thought on your metaphor, Emma, not fitness related. It is basically what consumer credits are. You are willing to pay interest rates in order to make a purchase now instead of a delayed date when you are able to save for it. Weirdly enough, people still do it despite potentially really high interest rates. I suppose that's what a payday loan is. Like, Oh yeah, it's exactly yeah. a payday loan. Yeah. But there's also a lot of, they use this in um behavioral economy research where what do they call it it's like the delay effect or something or the like it's to measure kind of immediate reward so you might say I might say would you rather have 10 pounds today or 20 pounds tomorrow and anyone like with some delayed gratification would be like oh I'd rather have 20 pounds tomorrow but a lot of people will go and for the 10 pounds today and it depends on 
like the length of time, but also oh, there's another one that oh, I can't remember the exact stats on it now. So this story is quite boring, but it shows like, say I was like, oh, you can have 10 pounds now or a hundred pounds in a year. If you say you like, you might go for the 10 pounds now because a year seems really far away. But if you say you could have 10 pounds in a year or 110 pounds in a year in one day, you would obviously have 110 pounds in a year in one day because it's so far away anyway. Mm. It's just interesting the way that people like measure up the like the benefit of having something immediately mm. as opposed to like delaying gratification essentially. Mm. Um, there's a cognitive bias called that and I can't remember what it is, but I'm sure Hannah, if she's listening, will be like, it's this, why are you not saying it? <laughs> uh okay we've got another one on the live don't we um no question but just enjoying the chat laying in a hospital bed post colonoscopy oh poor um enjoying a ham and cheese sandwich and a kit kat quite a relaxing morning thanks for entertaining me while i rest and recover quite an enjoyable morning just had a colonoscopy and now kit kat you and your colon and your bum oh there's another really interesting, uh, I guess, like group of studies that shows that people's experiences are dictated by how they end, actually how they start and how they end. But one of the examples is a colonoscopy. So it's a very painful experience, but they have two groups. And one of the groups, they just do the colonoscopy. They get it done like kind of as, as quickly as they can. And then they take it out. And the other group, they leave the probe in their anus for a while. And then they take it out and they rate the experience as far less painful because it ended in like an unpainful way as opposed to like the quicker, like you would think, okay, it's mm -hmm. the same experience and I'd rather just get it done and get it done quickly. And then it's out and like, I don't want something up my bum, fine. Mm -hmm. But actually the group that like finished with no pain experienced yeah. the whole procedure as far less painful. So Sarah, can you tell us how long did they leave the probe in your bum? Yeah, did they leave it in your bum for a while after? Because if not, you should complain about that. But I think people extrapolate that to like any experiences. So even like if you're dating or something, like you have to make sure that it ends well, because that's the part that people, or any experience with someone, mm. like it has to end in a good way because that's the main thing that people will remember, even mm. if the rest of the time was amazing. She slept through it. Oh, wow. She had a nap. That, whoever performed that colonoscopy. Yeah. I used to have, um, um, I used to have this little one-to-one -one client, like this is years ago, who was a nurse. She was like 19 years old and like a dead glam, glam girl, right? And she said she loved putting in catheters because she like whittled it down to a fine art and she always had people comment on how gentle she was. And I was like, do you know, the world needs more people like you who like something that's so embarrassing and so painful and like uncomfortable. She's like, I'm, I've got this, don't worry. I'm going to make this okay for you. And I was like, you're a good person. It's such a skill. I remember when I was a phlebotomist, that was something like everyone would kind of show off about like, oh, I can take blood without anyone even like, flinching or whatever so you'd want to yeah like first time no yeah no pain whatever did you know that? 
did you, huh? take, did you take blood from people yeah no I mean wow. not not in like a oh my god I worked for a blood donation bank I'm a hero kind of way but more like I needed it to do my PhD that kind of way <laughs> um Anna's saying yes Anna it's the discounting effects and I'm very impressed by your economics knowledge you're very welcome I became slightly obsessed if you want to go back in the episodes I did like a couple of episodes that were like just on how I could take economic principles and apply them into fat loss <laughs> I feel like you would probably enjoy this as an economist <laughs> but um I got slightly obsessed with that and fortunately for everyone I've moved on a little bit but it's still it's still a passion of mine um okay Kiara, when will I be able to, to subscribe to the next round? Thanks. So at your final check-in, you can sign up to Committed. We don't want you to do it before that because then your direct debit will start early and we don't want you paying double, basically. Um, okay, great. Catherine, tips for disconnecting yourself from shame when you have diverged from your goal quite a lot and how to break that negative thought cycle of I can't make this work. Wow. That's a biggie. Yeah, it's a biggie. Oh. Um, my brain's blank. You go, you go first. <laughs> well, shame is the... What's the Brene Brown quote? Shame is the very... The very... Part of us that makes us feel like we can change. Yeah. Uh -huh. Something like that. So basically, shame is, is a bad feeling. But I think just telling people not to feel shame probably isn't that effective. No. Um, although I do think that sometimes the the distinction between guilt and shame is quite useful so like guilt is I did something that I didn't want or like you know I did something bad or that I didn't want to do and that act wasn't in like you know like that act itself was bad let's say not saying that overeating is bad but whatever like let's just put it like that and then shame is I am a bad person because mm. I did this act and I think there was I, I'm pretty sure I read this in a Brene Brown book or quote somewhere but it was talking about a study where they went into prisons and they distinguished if people felt guilt or shame about their crimes and then whether they were more likely to re-offend I don't know if they followed them like I'm gonna say they followed them and people were more likely to re-offend right but I don't know if that's actually true but people who felt shame were found to be more likely to re-offend because they're like I am a criminal, I am a bad person, and thus I act in that way. Whereas people who felt guilty about the acts that they'd taken to make them end up in prison were less likely to reoffend because they dissociated the act from themselves. It doesn't make them a bad person. Like the fact that you've gone off track with your goals or you've overeaten or you've diverged from your goals, as you say, doesn't make you a bad person, but you maybe didn't want to do those acts. So that's what we need to change. But I think trying to not make it about yourself is quite useful because then it's like fixed versus growth mindset right if if you've got a fixed mindset of I am a bad person I can't make this work I'll never be able to do this versus I'm struggling with x y and z but I know I can change those things it's just I've made some poor choices around food recently there's a big difference there um so I think like that dissociation is quite useful yeah I think as well like noticing um like all the all the great things that you do in your life because I have check-ins with clients and they tell me all the stuff that they do like they are single-handedly running a household making all the dinners making sure everyone stays alive doing a full-time job 
being there for their friends and family but they overate at the weekend so they're so disappointed in themselves and I'm like babe you are an incredible person and no one thinks that you're a bad person because you overate apart from you everyone is like you are holding us all together and I think just like recognizing all the amazing things that you do on top of that the amount of times people will say in the check-in what are you proud of this week and they struggle to find it and I say next week or next time you check this in you're going to spend five minutes thinking in this question because it's so important to recognize what you've done and what you're proud of um, and also thing- I think that gives you a lot of confidence in what you can achieve as well like when you and again when you write this stuff down because it gives you perspective you're like I'm a single mom I've gone back to uni and like started a course I've done this I've done that I'm holding down a job I'm, like all of these incredibly hard things that you've done can you and then you're telling yourself you can't lose body fat mm-hmm. hey you've achieved far more than just losing a little bit of body fat that like you absolutely are capable it's not a capability problem and once you accept that and you're like I absolutely can do this then it's much easier to action actually doing that I also love getting my clients to write themselves a letter and it's, it's a little bit of work like you need five ten minutes to sit down and do it but honestly, it's a game changer. So write yourself a letter as if you're writing a letter to your best friend who was struggling with the exact same thing. Like you would tell them all the great things about them. You would reassure them. You would motivate them. You would be so kind and loving. So do that for yourself. And just having that written down in front of you, like I love that every so often I'll, I'll do that for myself. And it just makes me feel so much better and reminds you that, like like to look from the outside inwards sometimes yeah yeah I love that I often do it but it's framed as like write a pep talk to yourself yeah yeah um we've got one on the live don't we I'm really discovering that the longer I'm on this program the ups and downs both with nutrition focus and gym fatigue come and go after the downs the ups do come and it's really the simple advice of of advice around doing it anyway that's staying consistent the simple action is this simple action is such a game changer for me sorry I completely ruined that by reading it out but that's very (laughs) wise words um yeah and I think it's inevitable like I think we can question so much when things are down why they're down what should I be doing differently what should what do I need to change and make all no it's just an inevitability of life it's like your mood like some days you have low mood and there's no real reason for it. It's just low mood and it passes and the next day you feel a bit better and you don't need to overanalyze everything. Like, especially if you're like, oh yeah, one day I went into the gym and last week I could do five pull-ups and this week I could only do four. Like, what the hell is that about? What do I need to change? What's what's gone wrong? What have I completely ruined? Like, why am I going backwards? Blah, blah, blah. Like, no, no, this is just a part of life. Like next week you might be doing six. It, it's not always linear. And, and I think just accepting that and kind of chilling out about it and be like, right, okay, perspective. I'm ticking all the boxes. I'm going in the right direction. But it's not always going to be progressive every single week. And there mm. are highs and lows. And that's just what life is about. Yeah, totally. That's, yeah, that's a great point. Okay, Catherine from a client. Um, any intel on infrared saunas and the Hot Works franchise? Is it stupid or effective? I've not actually looked at that franchise have you heard of them let's have a look hot work franchise infrared is actually like there is a quite a decent body of 
like evidence around reduction in cardiovascular disease and infrared. Um, what about saunas? Like you were a sauna fan for a while, weren't you? It's <laughs> just because I hate being cold. <laughs> um, there is, again, there is research around saunas and reduction in cardiovascular disease. But what I would say about a lot of these things is the magnitude of effect is so small. Like I mean, you'd get a bigger effect from going for a walk, mm. 100%. But it's, it's just pushing you slightly outside of like your homeostatic range. So when your body temperature is pushed outside its normal, it has to adapt to that. And some of those adaptations are beneficial to health and fitness. So Hotworks is, it's a gym where you can do workouts inside the sauna. So like you can do oh hot God. cycle, hot rowing, hot blast, hot yoga, hot Pilates, hot buns, hot buns. Hot um, buns? What's that? It's like a bum workout in the heat. Oh, hot bums. Hot buns. Bun. Oh, buns, yeah. Hmm, interesting. So I'm not a Could fan of... Some, some buns to cook as well. I'm not a fan of hot yoga. Um, oh, why? Because several reasons. First of all, it can be quite dangerous because when you're hot, when you're warm, you can overstretch and injure yourself. Secondly, it's really smelly. Um, it tends Hot yoga tends to be in carpeted rooms. What the hell? Um, and it like soaks up all the sweat um, and also That's like vile. it is vile uh, also I just think that it's quite um, like you could get really lightheaded and fall over um, and it's the not environmental impact as well sorry but it must cost a fortune to like for some of these what I like you know relatively large rooms to get up to that kind of temperature you're not in a you're not in an enclosed sauna mm. And I think it, it's that kind of thing where people think if they're really, really sweating a lot, then they've had a great workout when really it's just that you're really hot. And by the end of it, you might like jump on the scales and be like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so much lighter, but it's just water. And as soon as you drink again, there you go, you've taken it all back on. So I think it's such a good example of like why you shouldn't focus on the scale so much like do you logically think that in a 40 minute hot yoga class you've lost two kilograms of fat come on you don't like you don't think that but you weigh two kilograms like yeah because you've sweated so much and as Jonah's saying as soon as you rehydrate you will put that weight back on like it was water but it, in some ways I'm like that's a great example of how the scales fluctuate and have nothing to do with the change in body composition because you've certainly not changed your body composition in that class um yeah I wonder what the impact of the cost of living crisis will have on hot yoga because surely like you know if heating bills are going up hot yoga bills are going to be going up so I have a, a thing about yoga like so I'm a yoga teacher right and and during lockdown I had this massive like awakening where I was like yoga is a pro a product of colonialization so basically yoga is a spiritual practice in india and all these western white people have come across taken yoga and are now profiting from it in the west and i had this like wow i'm i'm part of that problem and see these not really fancy yoga studios that charge like 14 15 pounds a class that oh, is way more than that yep yep that is so far removed 
from what yoga actually is and actually was initially. So, um, yeah, I just think that that's it, it's really dodgy that people charge like so much. And also now there's this whole like people fully kitted out in Lululemon. Um, it's it is quite like a bougie thing to go to like a yoga studio and then you have your expensive smoothie and it's yeah it's just so far removed from what actually yoga should be um so you don't you don't need to be like spending loads of money to do this like you can stick on youtube and do a 10 minute yoga class and it's totally free wearing whatever you don't even need a yoga mat to do it in a space around do it you. Naked if you want do it naked. <laughs> so yeah sorry your initial question was yeah i wonder well i think that that's all of these sort of boutique gyms um, are going to have an impact because like people spent the whole of lockdown doing home workouts and, and really seeing the value in that and that you don't, you go, you barely need any equipment to exercise. You just need a resistance band and a dumbbell and you could actually do it completely equipment free as well. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Last question. Although we've just got to yours. We'll have to do them on the next one. It's fine. Um, why do we carry fat so differently as we age? My midsection was never the gainer, but now it is. And I don't care for that. <laughs> <laughs> One does not care for this. Nope. Um, so you have a slight distribution of, or redistribution of body fat as you hit menopause. So as estrogen drops, you, I guess in some ways you could think of it as you store body fat more like people who have less estrogen, like men do, you know, more amount around your middle as opposed to more around your bum and your legs, like most, like most of us do, or most women do, like more pear-shaped. Um, that can be mitigated slightly by HRT and obviously losing body fat, but there is a little bit of a redistribution there. So you might be thinking, oh, I'm putting on weight, but you're actually, or I'm putting on fat, but you're actually not putting on fat. It's just where it's sitting on you is slightly different. Um, you can absolutely change that as in like, you can absolutely diet and exercise um, and increasing estrogen levels, but that may or may not be right for you. And I think everyone should go and listen to this week's Fitness Unfiltered episode because it's so, so good. We have an expert on around menopause and she just gives a really nice unbiased view of HRT and dealing with menopause and speaks quite a lot about like if people can't take HRT or don't want to take HRT and that actually we've kind of had this pendulum swing from no one should take HRT it'll give you breast cancer to everyone should take HRT because menopause is a like hormonal deficiency and we should re be replacing that hormone neither of those extremes are true and actually the right thing for you is very individual and I think it's hard as well because people who have gone on HRT and it's really helped their symptoms shout quite loudly about that fact which you know is fine but it does need to be caveated with this worked for me in my situation and you know speak to your GP about whether it's going to work for you or not everyone should go on menopause on HRT it changed my life like no they shouldn't not everyone should so make sure that you're getting like individual advice and if you are going through menopause or if you know anyone who is or if you're a personal trainer listening to this you have to go and listen to that episode it's so so good okay okay right um thank you for your beautiful brain and thank you everyone for the excellent questions that was fun bye
Thank you as ever for your time and attention. If you want to talk to me about coaching or if you want to find out more about how to work with me, head over to esgfitness.co.uk. There is also lots of free information on the website and some worksheets, which I hope you will find useful. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear from you. Please tag me in your stories at ESG Fitness or shoot me a message. And if you think you know anyone who would enjoy this episode, why not share it with them? Thanks, guys.